Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Cinnamon rolls and chili on a crisp November day. In the heart of football season, Thanksgiving's on its way. Mashed potatoes, turkeys, green beans not from cans. The Bosco boys are thankful for our diehard bonehead fans. Boys are back, and boy, is it heartbreak hotel time. Uh, it's time to talk about that very upsetting 18-20 to 20 loss to the Cowboys. But before we get into it, Grant, uh, you're a COVID boy. You're very sick. All the boneheads are worried about you. They're, you know, sending in their, uh, their well wishes. Why don't you give uh, Bonehead Nation an update on your status? Well, I'm alive, I guess. Um, it's definitely shit. It definitely sucks. Um, I mean, I've been sick since, like, it's Sunday. I've been sick since at least Tuesday. So it's pretty much just been the same the whole time. Um, and then slowly but surely, I'm kind of ticking through the box of symptoms uh, one day at a time. So uh, don't have any smell or taste. That is the worst by far. I would rather have like a fever, aches, chills, than not have smell or taste. It's utterly bizarre. Um, I think I'm starting to feel better, but it's hard to tell, honestly. Yeah. I drugged it up like 24-7, so it's kind of hard to tell. How would you even like try to describe (laughs) to someone the sensation of not having two of your five major senses? I feel like I'm dead. It's like I'm a ghost. I'm not alive. It's very weird. Um, not being able to smell is terrible because it's just like I, it's hard to describe. It is kind of like you're just not alive fully. It's fucking weird. But right. I don't know. Yeah, it's not fun. I definitely don't recommend getting it. All right. Well, everyone, uh, you heard it from Grant. Be responsible with what you – do in life and that covid update was brought to you by bet online that's right i don't know if there's any covid props but guess what there's all sorts of nfl and this is the first week of the rest of football season where you're going to have a game every single day of the week tuesday wednesday night action. you're getting pro and college on thursday you have uh, pro or college games on Friday, all sorts of games, Saturday, Sunday. It's the best time ever to get over at Bet Online. Use promo code Armchair to take care of all the advantage all, or take advantage of all the welcome bonuses and prop plays. It's awesome. Get over to Armchair. So uh, we're, we're just going to get into it. You know, you lose by two points, 18 to 20. Um, it was ugly. Let's just kind of run through it. I mean, you get off to a hot start. You're up 12-0 at halftime, but only one touchdown, three red zone trips. 
I think, again, everyone who listens to this show knows the importance we put on it. And I think everyone on Twitter also – I mean, hell, even fucking Coach Kleiman talked about how it was kind of demoralizing not to score in the red zone versus West Virginia last week. I think that despite, you know, even before the, uh, you know, coaching decision that we will talk about, but even before that moment, I think even when you went up 12-0, um, I, I still think that there was a little bit of dread. There was a more pessimist, pessimistic energy than you would expect uh, you know, shutting a team like Oklahoma State out at half um, because you only did get one touchdown in these three red zone trips. What was your mood, uh, again, before the two-point conversion decision um, at that moment? You're up 12-0, um, but you squandered, you know, two red zone opportunities before that touchdown. Definitely frustrated. Um, but I felt pretty good um, considering how well the defense was playing. And – you know, I knew the defense was – and, you know, to be fair to them, for the most part, they kept their high level of play throughout the game. Um, so I felt good about it. Um, we did as much as we could taking advantage of, you know, our defense playing as well as we could outside of – yes, we couldn't get in the end zone, but we had a, a two-score lead going in halftime. I mean, if you put it any other way um, – if you change the score from 12 to zero to, I don't know, 24 to 12, we're up two scores still by 12 points. You would look at it differently. You'd say, Oh God, yes, I would take that. Um, so regardless, we go into the break up 12 points. I think anyone would have gladly taken that. Um, so I was feeling pretty good and I trusted our defense. Um, I thought we would hopefully make some adjustments at halftime Mexican wise um, to try to mix it up a little bit, um, get some more success offensively. But in the end, it was the opponents that made the adjustments to us and, um, you know, our offensive struggles continued. Definitely. So there is some strife amongst the fan base and offense, and we'll get to that, uh, you know, when we talk about the offensive game review. The defense did have, like, an all-time great performance. Like, the, what they did to Oklahoma State – um, really was impressive, only giving up the, – uh, the defense only giving up 13 points. Uh, Chubb, Chubb or Hubbard got knocked out early. Wallace didn't play except for that onside kick. We banged up Spencer Sanders early and all that type of stuff. So, you know, I, I think that there has to be some credence given to how banged up Oklahoma State was. But at the same point, I mean, that has to be one of the – you know, all-time great defensive performances we've seen from K-State defense this decade or, like, the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, to hold them to, what, like, around 250 yards, um, shut them out at halftime. It was it was a great performance. Defensive line was absolutely dominant. Um, it's a shame that I had to kind of go to waste. Yeah, no, definitely. So let's let's get into the two big coaching decisions um, the, se the second one will be the one everyone is talking about, but I first want to talk about the one that I had the biggest problem with. Um, and despite it being a relatively decent onside kick that we just couldn't get, get on, I have a hard time not booting it deep, putting Oklahoma State on their 25 while we have three timeouts, considering how good our defense had been and how uh, tough it had been for us to move the ball. I thought, okay – you have a higher percentage of 
getting a three and out, them on their 25, and then getting the ball around the 50 or your own 45 versus doing the onside kick, getting it at your own 20 um, or deeper than your own 20. Um, I, I hated that call. Um, what did you think about going for that onside kick? Um, I mean, I think it's the wrong decision um, because, I mean, you – that gives the opposing coach, you know, at least something to think about going forward on fourth down. Um, if you stop them, you know, ideally like you want to, you burn all three of your timeouts – um, you know, if they if they have a fourth and one on the 50 or on the 40, as opposed to their own, you know, 25, they could end the game right there. I mean, that that gives them that opportunity to think about that decision. I'd much rather pin them deep, um, force them to have, you know, make a good punt. I mean, it just completely changes the field position, and it gives them a possible opportunity to go for it on fourth and short. Um I mean, especially with our offensive woes, even if they go for it on fourth and short around midfield, we still have an offense that would have to go, you know, they can, they can say, fuck them. Well, they have to go 50 yards. We can make them go 50 yards. Um, Or we can go for it on fourth one and get it and win the game. I I just think it's a bad decision overall. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And then let's get into the one that everyone's talking about. This is, you know, the boneheads started frothing at the mouth when they saw you and I tweet opposing <laughs> takes almost simultaneously. Uh, my take, obviously, is not feeling very good this morning. I'm just going to give my two cents, and then I want you at least to try to muster up a quarter of the energy you brought to the interwebs last night. Uh, to you know get it all out there but I I'm someone who at least in modern football there is a game theory chart there is a chart of saying hey these are the point values where it makes makes sense to take the the extra risk to go for it on or go for it for a two-point conversion one of those things is going up 14 versus being up 13. I stand by that decision. I like those decisions. I think that in the long run, if you have a coach who goes by that book, it's going to succeed more than it's not. Again, what sucks is, you know what, most fans are not going to complain if a coach goes against the analytics and takes the points, but it turns into full-on fire fest. Uh, if you lose and you can connect it back to that decision. So it sucks um, that came down like that. But you know what, if, if I was advising climbing, if I could go back in time, I'd still tell him to go for it again, had the good play. We just didn't execute. That's my take. But again, I think you are where most of bonehead nation is, is where most of K state nation is. So I want to now just kind of step back, let Grant take the wheel and uh, you know, event my friend so i am going to i mean i'm almost always against this uh going for two i'm always almost always against chasing points unless you need to um for me it is not hindsight i think it's foresight um you know i didn't want to go for it when it was happening i was livid at the decision i think the idea of chasing points when you have a fucking two touchdown lead is so stupid to me. Um, I, I think it's playing scared. I think you're overthinking the game. You're muddying the waters for yourself. You know, I don't care that there's more value in having 14 points 
versus the risk of having 12. Uh, I mean, when the fuck does that ever work out that way? Like in what universe was this decision not going to come back and bite us? I mean, you don't chase points when you don't, or unless you need the points. I'm a believer in sports analytics. I'm a believer in the game theory, but you know, there is nuance to that situation. There are certain instances that you need to weigh the variables. Um, I think there's certain instances where game theory and analytics has just kind of burned a hole into some of our brains. Uh, you have to be smarter as a coach here. I mean, you have to know your team. You have to know your strengths. I think it was a reckless decision. I know it's kind of his job to trust his players um, as a coach, but um, with our red zone woes, uh, with, you know, our wide receivers not being reliable with, you know, I think an offensive coordinator that is average at best with a freshman quarterback, all of those things had to go right. And I think just taking three points off the board was foolish. Um, I think it's always stupid. I really do. I, I think why the fuck would you go for two unless you're down two and you have to get it? Like, I really don't get it. Um, this team has such little margin for error um, that uh, putting yourself in a deeper hole just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I think we should be on our knees. Thank God that we have the opportunity to kick an extra point. I mean, we have, we get to put a point on the fucking board. Thank you, God, take it graciously move on. I mean, I just, coach said it himself that it was demoralizing for us not to score in the red zone. We just did it. Ride the wave, kick the extra point, go up 13-0 at half. I mean, people are buzzing. I, I just feel like team-wide going for two, not getting it, that has to stick in your mind. Like, fuck, why did we do that? That's going to come back. I mean, and guess who was proven right? I was fucking proven right. I think it's so stupid but and he's shown it. He has a track record for this, and I don't like it. I don't like the chasing points early when you don't need to, especially, I mean, if you're fucking good enough to make up for it later, like if you're going to – if you know, okay, we're going to be back in the red zone five or six more times this game, and we're going to get in, fine, do it. But not when getting in the end zone is impossible. And I'm about out of steam here, so – I'm going to let you take over. Yeah, no, I, we'll, run, we'll, we'll run through it again. We outgained Oklahoma State 370 to 256. Um, we had six penalties for 50 yards. They had six for 65. Uh, some of those, or at least one of them, was a very crucial 15-yard penalty on us. Um, turnovers, two to zero, second straight game that we uh, lose the turnover margin. But, you know, this is the first time I feel like all season we've won time of possession, but time of possession is stupid, 32 to 28. Um, I think the, the biggest thing, again, are those, those two turnovers obviously, you know, ends a, uh, you know, how much time was left? Like, a, was it two minutes or minute like 50, minute 50 or something like that? You have that much time, um, try to force it, and then that ends the game. Then, of course, the Will Howard lack of ball control. Um, and I think that and I think that there is some fluke to that. And and again, I I let, let's talk about right here at this spot versus parsing it out to all the different position stuff. Um, there there is an element of luck, and we'll talk about Will Howard specifically. But you know, they have that muffed punt that we have four guys around. But because we had that 15 yard penalty early in the game, I think they were giving even more like a little extra space 
than that what they would have if they wouldn't have gotten dinged for a 15 yard penalty before they're able to go right on it. You have the white Hubert strip sack, uh, which then goes right to one of their offensive linemen. So then they punt the ball versus us getting it on their 35. And then again, uh, the Will Howard fumble, like whatever. There was no, there was no one around. We weren't going to recover it um, unless it bounced right back up to him. But it was the fact that it went straight into a dude and he was off running and had a 10-yard head start before anyone else on the team realized what happened. There's an element of luck to that. But, again, it's, it goes back to what you said. And, again, I'm not going back on my stance on the two-point conversion. We're not going to talk about that. But you mentioned it. This team, while they're good enough to compete with anyone in the Big 12, they're good enough to win the Big 12 title. The fact of the matter is, with the freshman quarterback, with the lack of production we're getting from an entire wide receiving core um, and, and experience at different spots on the field, the margin of error is so tiny. So the fact that you're getting a scoop and score going the other way, the fact that you can't jump on a muff punt, the fact that you have a great strip sack that they uh, catch right in the air as well. Um, honestly, like just truly the ball did not bounce our way on any of these kind of 50-50 stuff. And even, like, Keandre Thomas made a great play in the end zone, almost intercepting a pass, and he was, you know, a couple inches away from coming down and bounds, and that would have saved us three points. Again, uh, football truly is the most game of inches game, and literally everything went against us, and, you know, you make your own luck. But it was just demoralizing at moments, seeing us not being able to capitalize on those moments and seeing it always bounce Oklahoma State's way. It was brutal. And let's let's talk about the two-point conversion one more second. Yes, here. go ahead. So, anyway, let's talk about fucking analytics here. What are the odds that we were going to, one, drop the right play to get us in the position, two, have enough protection from the our awful offensive line um, to give Will Howard time to throw or to create a, enough, a big enough hole for us to run through? Um, what are the chances that our wide receivers were even going to be open? What are the chances that even if they are open, they're going to make a play on the ball? What are the chances that our freshman inaccurate passer wide or quarterback is going to put it in the right spot? So we get the right play call one. All of those things have to go right. I mean, truly, everything has to go right for us to get into the end zone. Uh, we have, there's so many variables uh, percentage-wise. And look, four out of five of them are right. But – our wide receiver, it hits him in the hands and he drops the ball. That's why it's just like, take the fucking points for me. Everything has to go right for this team. The odds of us actually converting that versus not, I feel like is so wide. That margin is so wide. Ah, just makes me so mad. I mean, nationwide two-point conversion rates are above 50%. So that's why the analytics say go for it. I understand what you're saying. Um, Yes, there probably has to be nuance. I'm still, you know, I'm standing by. I'm, I'm one of those people who would say, you know what, if you're one of those wacky high school teams that go for two every time, I think that can work in college and at the pro level um, while games are still up in the air. I'm, I'm for it. You're not. That's okay. You were proven right yesterday. And uh, honestly, honestly, though, everything went around that first one. But for everything that went around the first one, that second one was such dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God. Oh, okay, Let, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk about offense. But before we do, the offensive game review is brought to you by Manscaped. We really don't know why they don't talk about their boxer briefs. 
honestly, I'm 99% sure that, uh, you know, all their boxer brief sales come from boneheads because we're the only podcast in the world that talks about it. But literally they have the best boxer briefs in the world. Uh, get over there today. They have body wash. I, this morning when I showered, I used their body wash. It smells amazing. Grant can't smell any of their great stuff because he has COVID, but they also have great lotions, spritzes for your balls. They have this stuff for, you know, feet deodorant. It's amazing. Get over to Manscaped. They have the Weed Whacker. They have the Lawnmower 3.0. Guys, I can't tell you enough. Go to Manscaped. Use promo code armchair uh, and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped. Send me your receipt. I will send you a koozie and a Christmas card. So, again, use promo code armchair and you're getting 20% off and free shipping. So, let's talk off offense. I think this is something where, again, I, I feel weird being on the side of the coach when I, I like to burn it down. I have a good history of burning it down and being angry at coaches. Um, I didn't have an issue with the game Messingham called. There are a couple – plays that I didn't like a lot of them in the or in the red zone but honestly a lot of that comes back to you have a inexperienced quarterback who either doesn't have the trust to audible out of plays so he doesn't get the option audible out of plays or b he has he doesn't have the vision to audible out of plays because the the plays that were the most maddening were, were the jet sweep to Seth Porter. I'm not a Seth Porter hater. Yeah. He's quick. It's okay, but here's the thing. That's nine men in the box and guess what? You're running it to the strong side of the defense. Again, that play should have been checked out of or you know by Will Howard, but again, he either doesn't get to make the checks or he wasn't able to see it. Uh we, we saw the jet sweep work twice with Phillip Brooks. So it can work. And even, hell, even, you know, Keenan Garber picked up four on that. I'm not against that play down in the red zone. Um, but, but you can't be running it into nine in the box to the strong side of the defense. That was never going to work. So, again, we need to get to the point where, hey, yeah, a play's called, but Will needs to earn the trust of the coaching staff or get to the point where he can make those checks. Because, again, that is a massive part to why uh, it sucks not having Skylar Thompson out there and sucks not having an experienced quarterback out there. Again, Messingham, did he call a perfect game? No. But, again, if you look at the, the deck that they had to play with at the skill positions, no Briley Moore. Malik Knowles goes out of the game injury early. Um, Sebastian Taylor and Philip Brooks all banged up. Like, I I guess I don't find this burning frustration with Coach Messingham like some people do. And again, he he drew up and schemed his way into some pretty big plays and some decent drives. So that's where I'm with Messingham. I don't. I, you might agree with some of it. You might disagree with some of it. Um, where do you land on that? Because I think I you're at least a little bit closer to the consensus of the fans who are uh, pretty tired with Messingham. So. I actually think that the, you know, I broadly pretty much agree with what you've said. Um, I just think that Messingham needs to realize he's got a fantasy that this team and this offense is something that it's not. And trying to set up the same type of game plan over and over and over and basically wasting drives um, with trying to run between the tackles when it's not fucking working, trying to hey, do things. At least it's not a gap power anymore. Now it's just inside zone. Yeah. true. <laughs> Seriously, it's, yeah. It's, it's the same outcome. It's the same yeah. outcome. It, it's two yards. Um, 
But at least just, he's evolved from a gap zone to inside or a gap power to inside zone. Just not knowing, like not working well with your personnel and not working well with the tools that you have and trying to do things that continue and continue not to work um, against defenses that it's not ever going to work with this personnel. Um, so that's the frustrating thing for me. Um, you can't waste – you can't have three or four in a row, three and outs. That's just not – that's not going to work. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he just needs to do a better job of adjusting to his personnel and uh, having a different type of plan, being more creative, getting guys into space. And, you know, I think he did a pretty good job yesterday in other ways, um, utilizing guys like Jackson Ean, um, setting up that Sammy Wheeler play – from the beginning that was you know that's that's good offensive coordination um but all a lot of shit in between is just a waste of time simply put yeah all right let, let's get into will howard so 10 of 21 uh passing on the day for 143 yards one touchdown one interception 14 carries for 125 and one touchdown let's Let's talk the good first. Let, let's let's do the good first. Um, he has some straight line speed, and we've seen that in some of these big runs he's been able to get. Uh, you know, if if he could get up to that top line speed, like if it didn't take him ten yards to get there, like he maybe houses a couple of these. But we've seen that he is a capable runner. Um, I also think that he is a he has some of those qualities in a quarterback the quote-unquote intangible qualities in a quarterback that you want to see I think he has grit I think he wants to be a leader I think he is tough um he has a nose for for the uh, end zone and then you know the the touchdown pass to Philip Brooks was pretty good um that that's what I have for the good um is there anything on the good end of things that I didn't mention no <laughs> I mean I like his I think he has the right attitude. He has the right mindset that he has to have as a freshman. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to butcher him, but well, <laughs> it's hard well, to see. It's hard to see a lot of positives out of his game. Um, I yeah, think. Well, 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 I mean, let, let's let's get into it. Like first, I had a take. And I was talking to Casey underscore fan Jimmy, good fr friend of the pod, recurring guest, one of the mo most all-time recurring guests. I was talking to him after the game. And I think the issue with, with the perception of Will Howard and, uh, and, and it has nothing to do with him. There was a very – there was a sizable part of the K-State fan base and a very loud part of the fan base that after game one had this weird campaign to say – that Will Howard is better than Skylar Thompson. We would be a better team with Will Howard as quarterback than Skylar Thompson. And the issue with that is this group was loud enough and persistent enough and obnoxious enough that too many people actually started to believe it. So then when you see a game, uh, you know, like the last two weeks, uh, and especially games that you lose, fan base and myself probably included, then starts getting too tough on Will Howard because here's here's facts or facts. He was a three-star quarterback, and it's not like he had any major offers. He didn't have a spring ball, and he doesn't have a lot of great weapons around him. Anyone who would expect him to be 
you know, a quarterback who can, you know, be like middle mediocre, let alone middle of the big 12, let alone upper end of the big 12, which I think we've seen uh, with how shit Charlie Brewer and Brock Purdy have been in Columbia and KU. Skylar Thompson was without a doubt at worst, the fifth best quarterback in the big 12 and probably third or fourth. Now we have the ninth best quarterback in the Big 12. And it sucks because there's all these people who put expectations and uh, all this stuff on Will Howard, and they had no business doing so. They did it out of their hatred for Skylar Thompson and trying to prop up anyone besides Will Howard. I mean, fuck, people tried to do it with Jaron Lewis last year. So here they are trying to do it to Will Howard, put him on this pedestal only for it to – not work out because of course it's not going to work out. He's not good enough for it to work out. And then you have tons of fans on Twitter, on message boards, on Facebook, trashing the kid. And again, he doesn't deserve to be trashed. He should not be playing. Will Howard is not ready to be playing power five football and being depended on to win. He can't even be depended on right now to not make mistakes. And that sucks because Guess what? He's 19. At this point last year, he's getting ready to play the state playoffs in Pennsylvania. He didn't have a spring ball. It's not his fault. I'm not even ready to definitively say he will not be a good quarterback in the future. I don't know. There's, there, there's no evidence to honestly say one way or the other. But the fact that these people were so insistent on trying to tear down Skylar Thompson and build up Will Howard into something he isn't has now cost this kid uh, – perception amongst the fans and that sucks that's ugly that is horrible and that's the worst part about fan culture in 2020 yeah that's i think that's a really really good point um that before he even played it down he's got a he's already has a narrative painted about him that he's got these shoes to fill you know he's got this role that he already is supposed to fulfill and i mean when you look at it from a broad spectrum he has so many things against him um, that being one, but, you know, just look at what he has to work with. He's played four games total. He's only played four fucking games so far in a COVID year. Um, he's 19 years old. He has absolutely no weapons to work with. Um, his office in line is shoddy at best. Um, when he does put it, you know, on a platter for his wide receivers, they drop it. Um, it's – he he's not – familiar enough with the offense I think you you summed it up well that you know the fan base that's for some reason consistently talked enough that they got big enough of a voice uh to put that narrative out there um kind of kind of already shortened his leash a little bit um at least with the fan perception but I mean when you look at how he's played and when you look at how he plays I mean at this point he's a backup quarterback at best in a power five team. Um, and that's not his fault. It's not his fault. You're right. Absolutely not. Um, and the best thing that we can do is just kind of roll with him and be patient with him. But it is so fucking frustrating. Uh, well, and, and again, <laughs> to, it's hear, frustrating. to hear people that it's so frustrating just looking back six weeks to be like people actually not appreciating Skylar Thompson for the player that he was. And I mean, we have Skylar right now. We're six and one. Oh, well, uh, two. So we, we win yesterday. 
We fucking win that game. Yes, we, we would have won yesterday. I don't think you beat West Virginia. But, again, you win yesterday. And here's the thing. You're, you're going to be playing in Arlington if Skylar Thompson is healthy for the entire I agree. year. You're going to Arlington, and that's also part of, I think, what's working against Will Howard. Will Howard then had to step in. He had the keys to a car that, you know, again, if you have a fifth-year starting quarterback who's probably a top-ten quarterback in school history, uh, and you can't expect Will Howard to do that type of stuff. And, again, it comes back to that sizable group of the fan base that wanted to – build him up just so they could tear Skyler down and now he's suffering backlash because of it and here's the thing we could still make it there Iowa State is like Iowa State sucks we could beat them we should be, and we will beat Baylor in Texas in December we could beat them we could still end up in Arlington so it could still work out but, but the issue is is Will Howard needs to you can't depend on Will Howard to win you a game and you need Will Howard to get to the point where he's not making the mistakes that cost you the game. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, I agree. And I think you said it really well a few episodes ago that basically from what you've seen of Will Howard, you don't you haven't seen enough to say you get the keys to QB1 for the next 4 to 5 years. I mean, there's no reason that going into next year when you have a talented four-star uh, with pedigree coming in that there isn't going to be a very heated quarterback battle and that Jake Rubley doesn't have as just as much of a chance to slot into, you know, QB one as Will Howard does right now. Obviously Will Howard has a big, big head start. Um, it's going to be, he's getting invaluable uh, playing, playing time and experience. He's going to have an entire fucking season or his belt, a big 12 play pretty much. So, but I haven't seen enough from Will Howard to be like, yeah, he's the guy. No way. Yeah, and again, but but at the same time, I'm not willing to say he won't be the guy and can never be the guy. So it's just, again, I I think the kid got dealt a raw deal. Uh, It was a perfect storm of way too high fan expectation, not having experience, and then just, you know, being in a season that could have gone so right, and he just can't get it there. But let's, let's move on to the offensive line. I actually thought that this was maybe their best game for the entire year, except for maybe... I mean, you could probably say Oklahoma or maybe KU. Um, I thought they actually did pretty good. Um, you know, they, they didn't give up any sacks. They did give up five tackles for a loss. But, you, you know, you had our highest rushing total of the year, 5.2 yards per rush. Again, a lot of that due to two big runs from Will Howard. Again, he did that well. He does it better than I ever thought he would. Again, I know some people are going to try to frame up everything I said as I'm – hating on him. I'm not, but you know what people are going to do what they're going to do. But what did you think about the offensive line? And do you think they've maybe turned a corner? Maybe. Um, I thought they still really struggled in the running in the run game. Um, We weren't able to do what we wanted to do in the run game. Um, Yeah. That 5.2 yards per rush is skewed from two big quarterback runs, which, you know, they created the holes. They They created the holes to be fair to them. Um, But, and yeah, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> but on the day, we didn't run very well um, at all. And pass protection, I thought, was really good. Um, maybe they've turned a corner. They've certainly played – I think they certainly look better than, you know – I think they've incrementally at least improved um, throughout the year. It's tough for me to say – I mean, outside West Virginia, we were we got absolutely blitzed. Um 
we've pretty much, I, th- I would say we outside, outside of West Virginia where we got fucking destroyed and games where before the stat penalties were very prevalent, we've gotten better each game. Yeah, no, I agree. A tiny bit, a tiny bit maybe, but we've gotten better each game. Uh, no, no, it sucks. I, I hate to run him down on it. Um, I think, and maybe it's because everyone around him starting to look better, but like Noah Johnson does not look like the anchor of the offensive line anymore. I think that, you know, BB and Adler both are uh, becoming the two best offensive linemen on the game. I will say Rivas looked better than he had most of the year yesterday, except for he still struggles when to climb to that second level or not. I think once he gets that down, we are going to be able to bust some of those four- and five-yard runs for 12 and 15. Um, so he needs to work on that. But I do think that we're starting to see the offensive line continue to move on a little more. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> let's talk tight ends, fullbacks. Uh, let's get it out of the way. Mar- Mason Barta, he played fine, whatever. But my dude, Jackson Eve, four catches for 35 y- yards. He was rumbling. He was stumbling. Yes, he had one kind of bad drop and one yeah, maybe would hope he'd have a little bit more sideline awareness, cut it up, not step out. But, I mean, you know what? So, some of the boneheads are clamoring for Seawolf to come back. I got cyber bullied so much that I'm not going to say Seawolf is back. But if people start using Seawolf a little bit more, if other people want to bring it back, I'm not going to stop you. But what did you think of Jackson? Do you think that uh, – you know, him being so involved in the passing game the last two games is an indictment of other pass catchers? Or is it, hey, they're going to get creative and they're going to use him as one of these, you know, kind of short uh, passing uh, weapons almost? Yeah, I'm going to say he is a weapon. Weapon. He is a weapon. He should be a weapon. Um, Well, first of all, I think you should stick by your guns and just run with Seawolf. The only place that you were bullied was behind a fucking paywall where 10 people consistently post. So who gives a shit about any of those fucking bored losers? Um, Put it out on Twitter where it's the free market. It's the free world. Who cares? The the market had spoken. Say whatever you want. Say whatever you want about people, you know? The market spoke. People, people, not me. Other people were using Seawolf yesterday. So maybe the market's spoken. Maybe it's back. If Jack's... If Jax gets a couple more catches next week or versus Iowa State in a couple weeks, Seawolf is back and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a Seawolf tattoo if he scores a game-winning touchdown versus Iowa State. I mean, I think yesterday he proved that he can be a weapon and we've seen him on some of those out little out routes before. Um, and I mean, yesterday it was one of our best weapons. Um, he's, if he dropped like 10 to 15 pounds, he would be, I mean, he already is pretty mobile for a big guy, um, but I can't imagine how much fat, how much quicker he would be if he dropped a little bit of weight. But um, I feel like this team is just ripe for a pop pass. I was thinking that just the other day. I was like, or in the game, in one of my group chats, I'm like, what we need to do on the goal line, you know, eight yards out, act like it's going to be just like a Harry Trotter dive up the middle. Everyone yeah. collapses, and then it's a play action, just boop. Toss it over to Jax. He does, you know, a Gronk spike, gets penalized 15 yards. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's amazing. I want to see more of them. Um, and especially since, you know, there was no Briley Moore, uh, Sammy Wheeler might actually be hurt. I don't know. But you got to start getting creative with some of these non-receiving or wide receiver uh, options. 
And I think uh, Jackson Eaton is the guy for that. So there was no Riley Moore. Sammy Wheeler came up big in the one catch he had, 58 yards. Um, and how good was it that, you know, Messingham had four – actually, he ran it five times. Jacks connected on four of them. So he got big-time production out of setting up the biggest play of the game. Again, that's kind of where I'm like, all right, Messingham's like a little bit of a fox. He's a little bit of a, a wizard. Um, but to that Sammy Wheeler play, how, how fun was it to see Sammy Wheeler when he caught that and just turned up field and started going? Well, I, I guess we ended up scoring on that drive. Um, but I was hoping that he had enough in the tank, enough in the burners to get him there. But uh, it was nice. And, you know, Messingham, he's an enigma. Like, there are times where you can see that the wheels are turning and he, when he's really clicking um, and he's setting himself up for later, you can see that. And when he has those scripted drives where everything is, every box is ticking and we just look like a well oil machine. And then there's other times where it's fucking four, five drives in a row where he's just in a rabbit hole and he cannot get out of it. And he's, shooting himself in the foot over and over trying to get this one fucking thing to work and it doesn't work and we've burned four drives in a row so I don't know I I'm kind of torn on messing him I think he's fine I think a lot of it has to do with you know the the chess pieces that he has to work with um if we were a more talented team um any any offensive coordinator is probably going to look uh limited with what he has to work with with this team. I mean, just that's just reality. This team is not that good. I mean, you could look at it on one hand, like, wow, it's fucking a miracle that we're sitting at, uh, what, four and two, five, four and three, four and two in the Big 12 with a chance to control our own destiny. We control our own destiny right now. We went out, we're in Arlington. Um, so you could, on one hand, it's a testament to how good the coaches have been for us top to bottom. But I do think that they are limited, um, Messingham in particular, um, in certain instances. But I think, you know, two or three years from now, if we have our guys, um, if Kleiman gets, you know, 60, 70% of the guys that he wants, we could be really good. Who knows? Yeah, uh, there was no Nick – well, and, and then real quick, Sammy Wheeler does have two more seasons left, so there's a lot of talk about, you know, what Briley Moore might be doing to the tight end record books. I mean, Sammy Wheeler has two more years, and he there's not going to be any Briley Moore uh, next season. So I, I'll be interested to see what Sammy does for his upperclassman years. No Nick Lenners in the passing game. He's out there, was used uh, as a block uh, blocker in a lot of packages. Uh, but with the next to non-existent night from wide receivers and lack of confidence in them moving forward, do you think that, assuming Sammy Wheeler isn't hurt, I'm a little worried about a possible collarbone. Um, they were looking at that after that big play, so I'm, I'm a little worried. But if Sammy Wheeler's back and if Bradley Moore's back and Nick Lenners uh, stays healthy, I this is where my head's at. Let me know if you disagree. I'm almost to the point where, you know, whether it be two or even three tight end sets, <laughs> you're using all three of them in the passing tree. I think that would be a better use of time than trotting out there Keenan Garber and DJ Render and Seth Porter. I mean, yeah, at this point, you're getting nothing. You're getting I mean, nothing fuck, out of the wide receivers. The, the, the final play of, of offense, they were trying to throw a deep post to Connor fucking Fox in like the third play he's played in his career. I mean, another tight oh end. God, like, that was awful. Uh, 
Oh my that god. Was... And, and time out. We did talk and I don't want to go back to just go going to town on Will, but again, his decision making needs to we get didn't, better. We didn't go to town on Will. Okay, well at just all, really. Let me just the whole time, de- really, we just defended him. That's true. But you know what? Here's the thing. He needs to, even as a true freshman, a lot of stuff working against him, what shouldn't be working, like what he shouldn't be doing, because this has nothing to do with the weapons. This has to do with him, his decision-making, and just the skill. The Something that folks aren't talking about, shitty pitch to Deuce Vaughn on that speed option oh on third down. If that's a good pitch, it's a first down, and if he m- makes a dude miss, it's a touchdown. The uh, fumbling, lack of ball security, you got to know where you are in the field and know when to bring that second arm up. You're already about to get tackled. You have the first down. You're in the red zone. Bring that second hand up. Protect the ball. That white, that On the second field goal, missed Harry Trotter for a walk-in touchdown if he just dumps it down to him. And then that final play, throwing in double coverage to Connor Fox. Connor Fox, everyone, uh, when, when you had a slant, your favorite, a, a sleeking slant, wide open, would have been at least 12 yards, first down, get it going. Again, we defended him on top, and I think we defended him against stuff that people are trying to blame him for. But what he needs to do and what he needs to take accountable for is his decision-making because uh, there are four or five decisions that he made that were on him that's, you know, and, and, and that's what we need him to do. He can't make his wide receivers catch the ball, but he has to improve his decision-making and protecting the ball. But let's let's just move on to running backs because it's 11-08. I want to watch the Chiefs at noon, uh, but whatever. I don't care. I'm running out of, running out of yeah. air. Yeah, you're running <laughs> out of air. So let's get through this episode. I might have to do post-game Q&A by myself because I don't want you to suffocate. Running can backs. Do it late. We can do it after the Chiefs game. If you yeah, I, well, I was, we'll talk after we finish this up. Deuce Vaughn, 17 carries, 40 yards, 2.4 yards per carry, one catch for five yards. So this is the second game he's been completely shut down. Do you think he's, A, hit a freshman wall, B, teams have started to figure him out, or C, just not healthy enough to be what we all thought he was going to be after the first four games of the season? I mean, I, he was still, like, pretty good yesterday. He was a baller. He's still a fucking baller. It's just that he's not a secret anymore, and um, we don't have anything else to kind of carry the load when people are keying on him. It's not like we have two other receivers or another running back that can take shift the focus. Um, you know, people are always going to be looking for Deuce Vaughn because he's easily our most dangerous weapon. So uh, I don't think he's hit any sort of wall. Uh, he looked pretty good yesterday outside of, you know, statistically statistically not being great but I, th- I, th- I thought he looked fine you know he just he looked himself yeah he, he made the most out of the opportunities that he had Harry <laughs> um, Trotter I thought he looked better I mean nine yards or nine rushers outgained uh, Deuce Vaughn had a better yards per carry average do you actually think they maybe should have gone to him a little bit more yeah like <laughs> there's times <laughs> when it's weird, like weird to say there are times when it's like obvious that Harry Trotter should get more carries um and that sounds weird but this is one of those things where it's like (sighs) Messingham I think gets in his own way uh where like he will go away from things that are working um and it's like just give get a couple lead blockers and give the ball to Harry Trotter and he'll I mean he's a hard enough runner that he's going to unless he's hitting the backfield he's gonna get you know, a positive gain. Um, 
and that's like when we when it's first and goal from the three it's like do we really think that with fucking two lead blockers that harry trotter can't get in three times like i really believe that like we need to i think we could be trusting him like that in short yardage gains or like will howard run the ball with will howard if we're if we're so we're obviously willing to run the ball with will howard but we're not willing to do it um at the goal line and when we do we scored a touchdown Late in the game. I mean, that would have been. also fumbled. That should have been the tying touchdown, but it wasn't for some reason that I f- is slipping my mind. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Harry Trotter, I think he's decent, obviously. I don't want him to have a shitload of carries, but I don't know. Whatever. Let's talk about the receivers. They're fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, Phillip Brooks is the only one that seems to have a pulse. He had a touchdown yesterday. Malik Knowles had two two receptions, I guess, but – Really, he's nowhere to be found. Um, well, he's hurt. I mean, Malik Knowles is hurt. Like, he got pulled out of the game. But, yeah. again, four of – three of the four receptions that wide receivers had came in the first half. Yeah. Uh, Keenan That's Garber fucking had wild. one carry for four yards. Seth Porter, one carry, which was very stupid. Um, it's just – it's a combination of lack of talent, skill, and I think coaching. Um, fire Jason Ray one I don't know if that has anything to do with it obviously it has something to do with it he's the fucking wide receiver coach fire Jason Ray I'm ready to get rid of him but I think Messingham has to do a better job of getting the wide receivers into positions and I see it so like Nelly pointed it out yesterday on Twitter and he's absolutely right we're running these like long developing routes we're running deep fly like why on earth are we running a deep fly three three deep routes when have we ever what this year has shown you that that's going to be open what has shown you that that's going to fucking work run Mm -hmm. pick plays run quick outs one run slants um yeah i mean we have to be smarter we have to be smarter and to the guys they're throwing them to, I agree, because Malik Knowles, again, hurt. He came out of the game. Sebastian Taylor, I'm starting to hear, is hurt. And, again, uh, you know, Gill, season-ending injury, young blood transferred. And, like, the, the recruiting at that spot has been subpar. This staff, like, that's the one spot on the field they haven't hit on anyone yet. They've hit on someone in the secondary – well, and I guess linebacker. We don't know if they have a hit on linebacker yet. But they've shown every other spot in the field – uh, and, and maybe quarterback, depending on what you think about Will Howard. But they haven't hit on a wide receiver yet. And, again, I, you, you just got to hope it's R.J. Garcia and then that 2022 class. But I'm to the point where it's like, all right, look, uh, if Gil wants to come back, fine. But you have to make the room, uh, no matter how insensitive it is, you have to – like, young blood's already gone. If you need to have a conversation with other people, if Malik Knowles needs a change of scenery – um, if Sebastian, Ta- like, I, I don't know what you need, but you have to basically sell your soul to the transfer portal and get two dudes you can actually rely on because that would completely change our offense and open it up for other spots on the field. And it's just disheartening <laughs> to go into every game thinking that you aren't going to get anything from your wide receivers. It's, oh my God. I mean, and to the credit of Messingham, when he does draw it up, when he does drop a nice play and get people open, they drop it or the wider or the quarterback, the freshman quarterback misses him and decides to launch it deep into double coverage to Connor Fox. And it's just like, everything has to go right for this team. Yesterday was our game to steal it. That was our game to steal. 
now we have to be perfect and win out. And it's just like, it's incredibly frustrating <sighs> that we're just as limited as we are. It's very frustrating. Um, it sucks that we had to lose Skylar. It really does. That was such a huge fucking blow to this team. Um, and everyone in college football, the entire world, national podcasts, regional podcasts, everyone in the world realized it except for like 33% of K-State fans. Oh, my God. I, uh, I don't want to rant about that again. Let's talk about the defense because they were good. They had a great bounce back. But how much of that do you think was due to Oklahoma State being super banged up and maybe even kind of disinterested in the game versus K-State just being a legitimately good defense that figured it out after a rough game versus West Virginia? Well, I think a lot of it is that we are a legitimately good defense. Um, we pretty much owned – we fucking owned the line of scrimmage basically the entire game. The time we didn't was when our defense had to just be on the field forever, um, you know, back to back to back, three and outs for our offense, putting our defense um, in a really tough spot, stretching them thin um, was kind of what – yeah, that that's what kind of broke their back. But <sighs> – Secondary is very strong. Defensive line is very strong. Um, I think the linebackers are the weak link, which is surprising to me. But they played well. They played fine. They played good enough to win. And because, I, I think as a unit, you know, this defense is genuinely very good. Um, yeah, I, I think they're really, really good. And overall, fairly young. So, yeah, and you shut exciting. them. Out, you shut them out three out of the four quarters. They, yeah. As a defense, of course, there's the scoop and score, um, which Fucking was seven hell. points. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> all of it coming in 13 points. And two of them were due to big runs by L.D. Brown, like who I, I thought was maybe even going to be out. It just, oh, my uh, God. Fucking but, hell. But how Make a bad. tackle, safety. Make a tackle. I'm not yeah. going to say your name, but uh, well, be fucking better. Be fucking better than that. Are you yeah. shitting me? Because, I make that tackle. I'll make that tackle. I will just get – I will get in his way and get fucking run over, but I will fucking make, make a better effort than that. I yeah. swear to you. Oh, my God. Because two of their scoring drives were set up by massive runs by L.D. Brown. But let's talk about the defensive line real quick because it was such a – it was an elite game from them. White Hubert, five tackles, three tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, one forced fumble. This is the first team all Big 12 Wyatt that we had been – you know, waiting for him, we started to see how impressed were you with him and you think he can bring that energy to the next three games. Also thoughts on his selfie celebration. I don't like that, but um, if he I likes it, it, it's I fun. He's it. having fun, clearly. He loves his celebrations. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, Wyatt Hubert being good opens up the rest of the line too. Um, I think he's kind of hitting his stride and he's back to his level um, that we ex expected him to be at. And I kind of expect him to continue this form going forward. Um, he's been really good. All right. Boom Massey. I thought he had a great game. When I looked at the stat sheet, I don't know if he wasn't credited with some tackles or what it was because he had one sack and that's all they gave him credit for. But I mean, he was causing issues on the other side. He was in the backfield the entire time, forcing Spencer Sanders to make bad throws. I think he was forcing, you know, L.D. Brown inside. Um, how good of, has Boom Massey been this year, especially the last few games? And especially since I think it's a foregone conclusion, I, don't, I haven't heard a single person who would know, say, White Hubert isn't going to go to the NFL next year. I think White Hubert's ready to leave college. 
Um, so I think this is the last for Wyatt Hubert. But with that said, would you put the full press on trying to get Boom Massey to come back next year? I mean, yeah, considering how thin our D-tackle room is. Um, well, he plays out wide, but. Oh, yeah. I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you I have, mean. You have COVID, you're forgetting. He's, I'm, the room is spinning a little bit. I think I'm a little low on oxygen right now. But, uh, yeah, Boo Massey's honestly, and he's had a really long, like, difficult career of injuries. So, I don't know if you would have a lot of luck bringing him back, but maybe, I mean, maybe he's finally getting that taste of success that he's um, in that taste of consistent playing time. And he's showing what he could do um, when he's actually consistently healthy. So, you know, maybe you put on the full court press. I mean, why not? Why not? You have the opportunity to do it. Um, I think he's, his production has been really good this year from day one. So why not? I don't think it would hurt at that position. I agree with you. Eli Huggins, another big game, three tackles, one tackle for a loss. Jalen Pickle continues on with his good season. He got a tackle. Khalid Duke, tackle for a loss. Robert Hentz, a tackle. Oklahoma State, not a great offensive line. But, again, the majority of this game, first, second, and fourth quarter, our defensive line was purely dominant. How fun is it to watch a game when your defensive line truly is dominating for large portions of the game? It's the best. It's the absolute best to watch your D-line dominate a team um, because if you can have a dominant D-line, then everything else defensively kind of just falls into place. So um, it's great. I hope we can continue. We're going to need them to be elite for the next three games, absolutely elite um, to give us a chance. Do you expect it? I mean, I expect them to – I expect them to perform. Um, they are – they've shown that uh, they're – they're the best unit on the I team. expect them to eat Brock Purdy alive. Um, I think he's – yeah, that, that could be the difference. I mean, we, we're going to force him. The difference – I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to score points on Iowa State, but ugh. It, I bet you that Iowa State game is going to look a whole lot like this game, dude. It's I hope gonna so. Look, it's going to look similar. Um, I think, you know, we're going to have to – they have they have some pretty damn good fucking receiver threats though. They got a great tight end that I think is going to be our biggest threat. I think we'll have I think we're going to bottle up Brees Hall. I really do. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not? They're they're they've shown that they kind of had the pedigree to do it. Um, they've got the energy. They've got the talent. Um, I hope so. They're going to have to though. Yep, I agree. All right, linebackers, we touched on Eli Sullivan had seven tackles. Justin Hughes, six tackles, one tackle for a loss. And, and one of those tackles does include a game-saving tackle that gave Casey a chance to get the ball back for our final drive. Of course, we know how that went. He's had a rough season, but I think this was the best game of his uh, year so far. Uh, what do you say about uh, Eli Sullivan and Justin Hughes? Um, I mean, they played fine um, outside of, you know, Actually, you know, they played pretty well um, yesterday. I think you're right. Um, I don't think Hughes has been very good this year. Um, I don't think you ask him to come back. <laughs> I really don't. I think his injury um, has really taken a toll on his lateral speed. And um, I just – I think he's kind of struggled this year to be in position. Um, I think Sullivan's been good. Uh, they played okay yesterday. 
but I think really the story is the D-line. They didn't really have to do that much yesterday, and um, when they were on the field for way too long, they kind of got gassed. So outside of a couple of those big uh, brown runs, what's his name, Letty? Letty is the – well, I got LD. LD. Yeah, it I is. Mean, that's LD. what it, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. that's what it is on the stat sheet. But um, LD, Dan, um, outside of him, a couple of big runs where you know they kind of broke through the lines, and where you want your fucking safety to come up and make a play, um, they played fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daniel Green, two tackles. I thought he uh, flew around pretty well. Cody Fletcher didn't hear his name called much. Didn't he? Didn't really pop. He's been having a good year. I've been saying I want to bring him back. Um, but, you know, I didn't see much of him. Does that concern you at all? Or is it just kind of like, a, hey, you know, with the linebackers, uh, especially the way the defensive line played, like, you know, he wasn't going to necessarily get those plays that we come accustomed to Cody Fletcher having this year. I mean, I'm not super concerned. Well, how old is he? He's, he's a, a – he's just okay. Well, then who gives a shit at this point? <laughs> he's I mean – well, He might come I, back, I guess. Well, I mean, if you're losing Eli Sullivan Justin Hughes – you'd want him to come back because then only him and Daniel Green would have uh, experience. Yeah. I think you need to get a transfer, at least one transfer linebacker, maybe two. But let's move on to secondary because these are where some of my favorite players are. J-Mac, I think, is still like he's he, – he might be an all-Big 12 uh, selection. Seven tackles, one of them being uh, a loss. He's a different difference maker at safety. Um, what did you think of his game? He's very good. Um, I love that play that made him look really, really good that he actually just got blocked into a player behind for a tackle of loss. But that was uh, – he's really good. He continues to be very consistent. Um, he is a difference maker. I don't think he's just, like, a sound safety. He's, like, good enough to be kind of that honey badger type of difference maker. So um, he's one I'd love to have back, but I don't think so. Um, he will be the type of player that – can possibly make a difference for us going forward to, to sneak us into Arlington. Um, we need guys like him to be playing at a very high level. Another one of those players, A.J. Parker, he was back three tackles, including one for a loss, and he was so close to getting a tackle yeah. that would have prevented a touchdown. Um, I'm not going to be too harsh on him on that, but how, how nice was it to get him back? Very nice. Um, and, I, I mean, I thought he looked pretty, pretty good. Um, Tough not to get that tackle, uh, but he didn't have like any help. There was it was him on an island, and he had he had ground to make up. So he, I think he did pretty well. It's just even coming close, but we have to have him in for the rest of the year. Um, no, AJ Parker is a huge loss for us. So, yep, Keandre Thomas started in front of Justin Gardner. I thought he played well. Brock Monty had two tackles. T. Denson got some playing time. It's fun to see him out there. But I want to talk real quick. Echo Boydo is my favorite corner since DJ Reed. Three tackles, got a Love pass that. breakup, just lit up a dude uh, to pop a ball loose. You get him for at least two more years. Um, I think I think Echo Island is real. I think KU – that's going to be another one where KU fans just wonder how the fuck did we let him get out of Lawrence. Because they're fucking stupid. They're terrible. Yes. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, this I think, team, this K-State team, BK put 55 points. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, how bad are they? They suck. Um, yeah, Brock Mont. I love Echo, by the way. He, oh, he's he, got an absolutely top-tier name. Um, he's been really good. Like, it's not like – He's like, legitimately a, a legit number one Big 12 quarterback. It's It's not like – 
it's not he's been as good as advertised he really has been every time they throw to him he's there he's he's been really impressive he's easily our best like cover corner guy um i like him a lot uh, brock money two tackles ross elder two tackles um yeah i mean we, we already talked about it. no need to continue to bury him but again he's he's bowed his head and missed which has resulted in big plays before like if you're um, gonna be the slow white safety <laughs> you have to be fundamentally sound like you have to be the guy that's like i'm at least tough as shit and i'm gonna make this tackle here you can't close your eyes and run into your own player and give up you know a 40 yard run not 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 with this margin of error not with this shit that's on the line right now inexcusable i'm i'm being too harsh on him but that's that's a tough that's a, that's terrible all right just real quick what's your confidence level in the secondary going into the bye week for the final stretch down will they be able to help us get in position to maybe you know find our way to arlington winning out the final three games yeah i mean i don't think well, <laughs> that second part, I'm not so sure. Um, but confidence in the secondary is high, for sure. Um, I don't – if we don't get to Arlington, it's not going to be because the secondary didn't perform. <laughs> um, I I think that that's – the likelihood of that being the case is pretty low. Um, I think we have a lot of good experience. We have a lot of talent in the secondary, and, you know, now we have a bye week to get some guys that are banged up healthy um, going into – Biggest game of the year. Scariest game of the year. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk special teams. And the special team review is brought to you by the special team over at Kansas City Direct Primary Care. KCDPC offers high-quality primary care at an affordable monthly rate with no co-pays or hidden fees. Dr. Short realizes this audience is mainly men, so let's get down to brass tacks. A lot of men don't feel like they need a doctor or avoid going, but will spend the money on expensive hair loss and erectile dysfunction services like hems and keeps. Membership at KCDPC costs the same or less than these services while providing the same medication at much lower prices. Most importantly, Dr. Short is a board certified primary care physician who can treat a wide spectrum of illnesses and disease. He can even take that weird mole off your back. Kansas City Direct Primary Carriers are excited to announce a bonehead special. $100 off their vasectomy package, a fresh cut of the vast deference Pairs perfectly with a fresh cut with the lawnmower 3.0. It's a limited time offer for boneheads only, so visit them at kcdpc.com or call 913-730-0331. Again, that's 913-730-0331 for more information. Check them out, guys. Like, you know, it's 2020, take care of yourself. 2020, right around the corner, take care of yourself. Go see Kansas State Direct Primary Care. Let's get into special teams. Uh, before we like, really talk about, you know, again, two straight games, we haven't made a play. And, again, making a big special teams play is what gets that margin of error a little wider. Um, I don't put blame on anything special teams. You know, not getting a block, not getting a return, that's really tough to do. But it becomes so obvious that when you don't get those, the margin of error, as we've seen the last two games, shrinks even more. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Um, and what the fuck? Sorry, my connection is like fucking up right now. You're fine. Uh, but just we'll take just, it over. Just, yeah. Just take that back. 
Hop in whenever your connection gets better. But Blake Lynch went two of two for field goals. I thought the execution of the onside kick was fine. That's such a tough play. Um, I'm not going to lose a ton of sleep over how we executed it. Hated the play call. Return game, one kick return, 24 yards for Seth Porter. I almost thought he was going to get a bit of a run. Not Nothing really with Phil Brooks. Got close to a couple block punts. If you had to put a gun to your head, do you, do you think we'd get another block punt before the end of the year? Uh, a gun to my head. God. I'll say yes, I guess. All right. I hope you're right. Uh, punting, uh, continue to split duties. Zentner had the first very bad punt of the season. Despite <laughs> that one bad punt, he did stay in rotation. Are you still fine with him and Bloomer splitting time? Sure. I mean, okay. they've been good enough. That was an absolutely awful punt, though. Luckily, they held, made it a yeah. little bit better. Um, punt coverage, missed a chance to recover, a muff, muff punt. We talked about it. So frustrating. We didn't jump on it. It sucks. Let's grade keys to be, um, keep this rolling. The first one you had was contain their stars. I mean, I'm going to say, I mean, especially when you say the three Fucking stars. A plus, dude. Yeah, A plus. The, the problem is Letty Brown, it. L.D. Brown, yeah. uh, ended up being the one to kill you, so. Granted, we knocked one of one of them out. We neutralized uh, Sanders, and another one didn't play. But I mean, it has to be an A plus. I agree, A plus. The next one, get to the red zone and score touchdowns. F, you failed. You scored two <laughs> touchdowns on, and then you kicked two field goals and turned it over. So two out of five. That's forty percent. That is a big fat fucking F. Are you going to be nicer? Are you going to? No, it's an F. It's a goddamn F. Be better. Yep, yours. Get to the fourth quarter within a score. We were only down one a point. Plus. So, so that's a, plus. a plus. We gave then, ourselves enough of more than enough of a chance to win. In fact, I don't know. Actually, I should detract from it just from our fucking boneheaded coaching decisions to just for some reason decide that we want to make it harder on ourselves. But all right. All right. And then the final one, force turnovers F. I can't believe it. Uh, Spencer Sanders didn't turn the ball over, came close a couple times, but F. So we have two Fs and two As from both of us. It's wild. Okay, it's time for our game balls. They're, this year they're presented by Bet Online. Get over there and wager on all the football. Guys, literally, election's over. It's time to only watch football every night uh, for rest of the fall. Get over to Bet Online and let's just do it. We're doing game balls. Traditionally, one offense, one defense, and a swagger sticker for a little extra reward. But, you know, we kind of get creative. We don't always have to do it. And this year, I've put in my picks before I send it to Grant. So that way, I get my first picks every week because I'm selfish. So, Grant, with that said, who's getting your first game ball? Offensive game ball for me goes to Sammy Wheeler. thought he stepped up, played pretty well in uh, the in the place of Briley Moore. Um really was one of our only receiving threats and thought he played pretty well. He's, I think he's a pretty good, pretty damn good tight end for, you know, what he is of being a converted quarterback. Yep. I agree with him. I can't wait to see what the future is. Of course, I'm going with my guy, Jack Stanine, the artist formerly known as Seawolf, the artist maybe currently known as Seawolf, Jack Stanine. Uh, this is the type of, and again, it's stupid. He got four receptions for like 40 yards. Again, it sucks that that type of performance gets you the game ball, but, you know, who else is it going to go to? But I loved it. I love seeing it. I love fullbacks, seeing the fullbacks get involved. I want to see Jackson in the end zone. I want to see him Iverson step over a Iowa State safety into the end zone. And then I probably would combust into uh, just liquid matter. It would just be awesome. I want that. So who's getting your second game ball? 
Boom Massey for me. Um, I thought he was really good yesterday. Like you said, created a ton of havoc, had the sack, um, and he was in the backfield quite a bit. Um, so Boom Massey, he gets my defensive game ball. Yep, mine going to Echo Boydo. I said on Twitter he's my favorite corner since DJ Reed. You still get two more years of him. Dude has swagger. Dude is great. Uh, he locates the ball. One of these days, he's going to get an interception. He's going to take off, and everyone's going to wonder why he's not returning kicks. He is a burner, and I can't wait for that moment. Final award for you, who gets your swag sticker? Back-to-back stickers for Mr. Echo Boydo. Um, I agree with you. He is – I think – I mean, he's not only my favorite – cover corner since dj reed he's easily our best cover corner since dj reed um and he's kind of come out of nowhere he's a kansas boy um i absolutely love him has an elite name i hope he continues his hot streak yep my swire stickers going to white huber i i love it i love seeing the curly hair i like the celebration i like how he kind of taunts the other team before he does his selfie uh, celebration i think he has swagger and i think he's gonna have a big final three Big 12 games and maybe hopefully a big bowl game before he goes on to make some money as an NFL defensive end starting next year. So that's all we have, folks. You're going to get a Q&A episode with all of our post-game uh, questions and answers tomorrow. We love you guys. Send Grant all your uh, kind tweets as he now is living life as a ghost. I feel like a ghost. <laughs> I really do. It's fucking weird. I can't taste. I can't smell. Can you even hear me? Yes. Okay. That's it. Um, I don't have anything. Oh, shit. I wanted to say, rest in peace. Alex Trebek has passed away. Oh, fuck. Very sad. Alex Trebek dies at oh. age 80 from prostate – or no, I'm sorry, pancreatic cancer. Um, tough L, tough L. I mean, it's been a long time coming. He was basically he fought gonna, he was gonna die for the last you know six months, but uh, it sucks to see it. Alex Trebek ruled, but hey, eighty eighty, pretty long good life. Host of Jeopardy, you know, I don't think he has any regrets. But yeah, go Cats, we gotta fucking play the the enemy next. Yeah, so, but we got a bye week, so let's long, all um, long build up. Everybody, you no, know, don't eat corn stretch. until Farmageddon. No Everybody corn until Farmageddon. Stretch your muscles, crack your knuckles, and uh, let's get let's get to trolling. Um, it's time, it's time to ramp up your game on on Twitter. Um, twist the knife as much as possible in the next two weeks. All right, that's it for me. Um, anything else you have to say, or should I sign us off? Sign us off. Meet me at the Cat Hit. I don't know if the category Europe narrows it down or expands it, but we'll find out with this clue, won't we? Once a feudal state, it has the highest capital city in Europe at an elevation of about 3,300 feet. Good luck, 30 seconds. All right, let's start with the man in the middle. Mackenzie, 
you had 3,600. Did you come up with the correct response? You picked Austria, and that, unfortunately, today is an incorrect response. So it'll cost you 3,600. You dropped to zero. Let's go to your left. Catherine Meeker, you had 13,800. You're not looking very happy all of a sudden. <laughs> what is Germany? No, that too is incorrect. And what'll it cost you? 12,800, dropping you to 1,000. It's looking good for Justin. He had the lead with 24,300, and he picked Liechtenstein instead of Andorra. Andorra in the mountains. And so it will cost you 4,000. That leaves you with 20,300 and gives you now a total for four days of 92,800. And as I have said often in the past, will he be able to go over 100,000 on tomorrow's program? Tune in and find out. Sports Social Podcast Network.